I don't know what you're tripping about, dude. Okay, wait, look at me real quick. Uh-huh. Okay, ready? Okay. I want somebody to talk to, not just sleep with. Do you fucking understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Jesus, dude. White people get hung up on this fucking soulmate bullshit. Just hook up with a chick that can cook and wants kids. Some bitch that's down for you. That won't fuck your friends and you're straight. Dude, you're the smartest motherfucker I know. You're not going to find some chick that's as smart as you. Oh, really, dude? Yeah, what? Really? I'm sorry that the perfect girl wasn't dropped in front of me when I was 18 years old. Do you talk to Gabby? Do you even have discussions with the girl? Do you want me to translate that into fucking Spanish? Into Hispanic? Whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing very well. I feel like I've come to the end of my watch and I'm here to discuss a film with you. Ah, we're going to cop an episode, are we? We're going to cop out, yeah. Yeah, we already did that, that movie. Yeah. Oh, I think we said it at the same time. Isn't that one of those episodes where, like, we don't have the full episode out because of bug? Because the bug that is Kevin Smith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we are here to do our show Pictures Power, Bartek, and we are spitting and being Polish while we do it. We are spitting facts, mm-hmm. and we are Polish while we do that. Yeah. We are going to be, we are the in the top ten Polish podcasts until your brother makes his own podcast and he becomes number one. Damn. Damn, Daniel, indeed. Well, he has to put Polish in the title, because apparently that's enough to qualify you. <laughs> well, that and just saying it in the description. <laughs> yeah. So if your brother puts, like, Oscar Polish number one in the title, he'll become Polish number one. The Truth About My History of Shark Tale, part one. <laughs> the game. The game. <laughs> the game. Part one. <laughs> part one. Backstory and movie. And then the final episode will be called Finn. <laughs> <laughs> so- Finn, lol. Fin lol. <laughs> Sounds like a food. Have you had some fin lol? Mmm. So we are here to talk about a movie that came recommended. Bartek, you recommended this film that is being discussed. What is the film that you recommended for those who can't read? Yes, I really insisted that this was a my recommendation episode. Yes. Um, we are doing- You put your foot down. I put my foot down. Um, I do that a lot when I walk. Only one foot. One foot. The other one... He leaves it dragging (laughs) while he does it. It's on autopilot, so sometimes, you know, whatever. The film that I picked is 2012's End of Watch. End of Watch. End of Watch. Not The Watch. No. End of Watch starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. Yes. And uh, Anna Kendrick. Mm -hmm. Let's never forget Anna Kendrick of Twilight fame is in this. And of Pitch Perfect fame, too, I guess. I haven't seen either. Well... Is that what we're going to do next episode? I've seen Vampires Suck, though. Let that one sit, people. Let that one sit for a while. I arrived late to the theatre, so I didn't see the beginning. (laughs) Oh, I can imagine what the beginning is. It's like the rest of the disjointed scenes. So I really don't remember that. end (laughs) End of Watch, if people have not seen the film... It is there to watch in Australia. It is on Netflix, so there we can watch it there, but I don't know where else it is available. But people watch it. We're going to talk about it in depth, spoilers and all. The plot is fairly simple, but it's more about the execution of said plot. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The plot being two cops who are friends go about their lives being cops and then get Tangled up in a cartel plot. Yeah, it, the film, <clears throat> it, it introduces itself and presents itself like one of these police officers is just filming them doing their normal work 
vlogging vlogging but essentially for a class at college um and it, it just gives you this impression like okay nothing special is gonna happen nothing special is supposed to happen but then eventually you know movie drama something very serious does happen that mm. changes the tone of what we're watching so you recommended this tell us your history with the film and uh why you recommended it so i saw this film in cinemas in 2012 with your mum no, the other parent. Your dad, though. I was in Poland with my dad. Oh, so this is an elector. <laughs> <laughs> the look on it, your it, face. It, it should have, it should have. It had Polish subtitles. Okay, so fair enough. I can't remember if the Spanish would have been subtitled for me in English, but whatever. So I saw this film with my dad and my stepmom in Poland in 2012. I remember before we went to the cinema, it was just a case of like, Let's go see a movie. It's not like we had anything in mind that we looked at things and I didn't really know much there. So I was like, oh, I heard I heard that Argo is good. I guess we could see that. <laughs> but the, they voted for End of Watch. So I was like, okay, outvoted, but you know, I didn't really care. So let's see it. I mean, he sounds bitter still about it almost 12, uh, 10 years later. Hey, look, I've seen this film three times and I haven't seen Argo once. So It's on Netflix. So you could watch it. I probably could, yeah. It's My best pick picture. for next episode is Argo. Oh, best picture, 2012, not End of Watch. Mm. Um, so we watched this film. We end of watched this film. We got to the end of the end of watch. Um, and we all really liked it. We were all surprised by it. I don't know how much any of us knew about the film going in. I was definitely like zero. I'm really surprised to hear that you've seen this three times. They've been, yeah, I saw it in the cinema once and then not for a very long time. I showed it to my stepbrother like a year or two ago and then I've picked it for this. I, yeah, I just, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I was going to say, like, I don't associate you being a big rewatcher of moderner movies, unless they're, like, Bollywood stuff or your mum puts them on or something. Like, I don't see you. It's true, it's uh, true. Unless we do it for the podcast or something or I else. mean, yeah, my, my my second what viewing wasn't really for myself. It was like, oh, let's find something. Oh, this is on here. I remember this being good. Yeah, yeah. but I, even that I don't associate you with doing with more modern movies. You'll be, like, mm. your go-tos, like... Kentucky Fried Movie, mm. or Freddy Got Fingered, or... <laughs> I'm kidding, never that one, that was different. <laughs> but, um, so you chose this, it sounds like you had a really positive experience with this movie. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it that first time, it was a very, you know, human film, mm. um, and it's an interesting one to re-watch, you know, the little things you forget, the things you remember, mm. um, and yeah, I wanted to have a little discussion about it. See what we what we can get out of it when we put our heads together. Uh, How about yourself, Ryan, with I, history? I've seen this movie before. I saw it on DVD. I don't own it, but somebody had it a year or so after it came out, I guess. I must have been at university. It must have been 2013. With the date. For some reason, I remember seeing... Um, I might have been back in my hometown. I remember holding it in a location in my hometown, but I associated that being like, I was in high school. It must have been the last year of high school, but that dates don't line up. So We didn't have our first viewing in Melbourne. No. So I watched this movie back in the day. Yeah, while for me, haven't seen it since until doing this. I didn't remember too much about it. I remember the performances were good. Mm Mm-hmm. I almost completely forgot that it was a found a found footage style, you know, the yeah. uh not a conventional film in that way is you know, they're using cameras within it to film things. I almost forgot about that, but then I remember Jake Gyllenhaal's comedic vlogs in the movie that kind of go away after a certain point. Mm. Um 
And I just remember this as that movie where I first recognized Michael Pena as an actor. Mm. I know he's been around the block for a very long time, but I, I don't remember him from very many things. And this was one that left an impression on me. I'm like, oh, this guy's really good. He can do the drama and the comedy. Like, Jake, we all know he's good. Yeah. We've always known he's good. He's a good guy. He's a good actor. I love Jake, yeah. We all love Jake. Jakey Jake. Um, but Michael, uh, I didn't know him. Michael, I didn't know him uh, very well. And he left an impression on me that has never been matched. Everything else I've seen him in, he's never been this good. Yeah, this was really the first time I'd seen him or even heard of him in a film. So every time he came back, it's like, oh, end of watch guy. And just never mm. quite reached it, other than Collateral Beauty. Oh, yeah. And, and One Day Chips, the other cop film he did. <laughs> <laughs> With, which also had improvisation. So is, we, that the, is that the one where he like has a speech about going eating ass? Eating ass, yeah, that's it. Yeah, everyone's eating everyone's to- toss, butts now. Tossing salad. Tossing salad. Everyone's eating everyone else's butts. Yeah, Michael Pena. Uh, <laughs> so I was excited to rewatch this. I remembered how it ended. I mean, it's one of those movies where yeah. you remember that. And I was enthralled watching it again last night. I drew, I was drawn in and I remembered what I loved about it, which were the characters. Yeah. Not just our main two, but the, the other cops and even some of the criminals. And I fell in love with the movie all over again like I did the first time. I still have my issues, primarily two issues. But overall, I had a great time. How was it for you to come back and rewatch it and to be watching it with your critical lens on, mm. with your glasses on of being a critic and your scarf and you're stroking your beard the whole time going, <laughs> mm, I don't know about that one, Jake. Uh, I wouldn't have done that, no. No, no, no he would have said, I don't know about that one, David Earl. That's That's more you. <laughs> Michael Pena playing Miguel, whose nickname is Mike. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I, this was one, I rewatched it again the other year with my stepbrother, and usually when I watch films with him, my brain's more turned off than usual. Mm. So it was a revisit where I was like, "Mm," I didn't quite remember engaging with it as much during my last viewing, so I'm kind of waiting to be surprised again to remind myself of why I really enjoyed it the first time. Mm. And yeah, there, there was... A much clearer, I suppose, character development-ish arc throughout the film. Like, at the very beginning, our two main characters, they they have a lot of very problematic-ish kind of, you mm. know, lines or, or views about their job. Like, it literally begins with, like, a, you know, I'm a cop, I have brothers, I will hunt you down because it is my job and I will not relent. And, and then like murdering that. people. And then murdering people, you know, having no qualms about it. And then as the film goes on... You know, they they calm down a little bit. They start, you know, feeling empty inside about certain things. Mm. And even though it is still keeping up this whole tone of, like, I am making a project for college here, that's why I'm documenting everything, you get a lot more moments where they're not addressing the Mm. camera and they're just, like, being themselves, taking everything seriously. And it's it's a very fly-on-the-wall experience. Yeah, that's the way to describe it. Uh, I loved the the precinct of cops. I thought Frank Grillo was really good. I loved his weird speech he was having with those soldier guys at the wedding, and he was like talking about like that bullet should have been for me, and you're like, oh, this guy's getting some development. And of course, David Harbor as the dickhead Van Hauser, Van Hauser, USS Van Hauser. Hmm. 
his whole character or lack thereof, because you don't actually get a lot of him, but he leaves an impression. And of course, you recognize that actor, David Harbour. He was in Green Hornet. Green Hornet, yeah. Where he got run over with a car out <laughs> through a building, <laughs> off a building. Um, and more recently, he's in Stranger Things and he played Hellboy. Which I haven't seen, but as you know, I've recently had one or two very young people tell me that I look like him. Uh, you could say students, right? Students, yeah. Don't just say young people in general walk up <laughs> to you on the street and go, you know you look like that guy from Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, so it was fun to see him. He was very intense, as uh, kind of. Uh, he, he reminded me of the like the creepy guy from Wayne's World a bit. Which creepy? The, guy? the guy that works in like the diner. Oh, oh, Al Bundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From Married with <laughs> Children. Yeah, Ed O'Neill. Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, but yeah, I I I was really drawn in. I liked the movie until it decided it needed to lock in to the plot mm. of. The cartel want their revenge on these guys for finding things. Like, uh, that's where it started to lose me. Like, I love the movie still, but it was like, I kind of wish that this movie was just uh, a hangout type movie where we don't need the the three-act plotting and the, oh, we've got to have the shootout at the end. and oh, The tragic the... action scene finale. Because it's very obvious. As soon as you have our two characters, they might as well have one of them say, I'm one day from retirement. <laughs> well, there was one guy who's like, hey, guys, there's an action scene coming soon. You've got to be careful. It's like, nah, it's good. No, nah, it's good. I, I mean, I have a wife with a baby, and he has a wife who's pregnant, so we're going to be fine, and everything's good, and we're hero cops, and we've finally found our groove. We're, we're plot, we have plot armor. Not for long. Not for long. Um, that bugged me. And my other issue is, and I want to talk about this, the decision to make it a found footage thing. Mm. I grew tired of it after a certain point, And after a certain point, it started to not make sense yeah, to me. Yeah, I'd noticed it this time. Uh, sure. Let's talk about the most, I guess, esoteric complaint in that regard of time. How long is this movie? Like, how many... How many months or years does um, this go on for? Yeah, before before me giving my impression, I read online that apparently it takes over like eight months. But eight months. but I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking about it during because mm. I, I guess it would be over the course of eight months that don't have you know especially notable weather things like snow because they all yeah. kind of have like you know uh, the upper arms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, showing, so that implies, like, you know... Heat. Heat. You know, you have the, the scene... I mean, they are the heat. Yeah, the, they have the scene halfway through where they, like, you know, put their head inside the fridge and things like that. To cool yeah, like down. falling down. Mm. Um, I... Yeah, I ask that because it's like, how long is this school project going on for? <laughs> I don't know for, how for American... A single, yeah, that's a good point. I for don't a know how elective. American schools do, but I don't think a single elective goes on for practically a year. <laughs> there came a point where it was also, let's show the villains mm. on their own. We have, we have to have an excuse for why they're filming, but there is no excuse other than just one of them is constantly, and I was I was losing it yeah. by that point. I was getting frustrated. And then you have moments where it's like, oh, no one's filming, but we're just watching this. Happen. Yeah, and there's zooms. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did this film have any benefit other than mildly comedic benefits of it being this way, being told through this narrative device of cameras actually actively filming the things we're watching? Because that's the big be-all and end-all 
of this type of movie, the found footage. It's about the yeah. immersion factor that this brings in. Yeah, and this one's not like a horror film, which a lot of no, these exactly. kind of films are horror films. So did this film, was it benefited by this approach to telling the story to you? I think it did at least uh, add into the element of like you're a fly on the wall, you're watching something where you're you're not there, but you have a means to see like what is going on there. And there there are little moments where they will react to something that you don't see and you have to kind of wait for the moment in which the camera will show you what it is they're reacting to and that builds, like, suspense. Like, I think there are at least, like, three or four moments in the film like that, like, where they've gone into a home and they've found something but fucked up. You could still film it like that without it having to be in-universe explained that that's, like, a body cam that we're watching this through. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I don't know... At first, I was on board with it. I'm like, yeah, cool, cool. And we're bringing up his camera all the time. But literally, literally, the moment we snapped to the cartel and they were filming, I was like, oh, okay, fuck this. So I, like, I wasn't actively against it, but I was just like, oh, f- if they, if they, forget it. Maybe, maybe if they kept it just to the our main two guys. That's what I better, think. Yeah. My big complaint too is here's my changing of the script. Change, change, change. Let's fix the movie because I'm a screenwriter, apparently. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever needed to see any point of view from those cartel people. They weren't interesting characters. They didn't offer anything other than we know that danger's coming to them. But I felt like the building of the stakes of them finding all these fucked up things and people warning them, hey, don't don't pull up this thread or else it's going to get you. Don't pull on the snake's tail. Mm. I thought that was effective enough. I don't think I needed that scene where we're just spending, like, fucking years at this house party and the woman's like, she's my bitch, and whatever. I'm like, I don't think any of that was needed. I I thought the black guy and his gang were good enough to explain their stuff, like, the Mexican stuff as well, but I... I I don't know. I think mainly the party one I'd keep just because our main guys go to that party for a bit, but all the other ones where they're just in the car talking, like... Obviously, it's building up to what they're going to do and things like that. Um, but the the tone and even the literal language of the film kind of changes there to this completely different experience of like, okay, these people are really despicable mm. and that the the tone of voice and the things that they're saying all kind of, you know, match too closely. We're not getting much variety. It's like, you fucking do it, man. You fucking did it. I'm yeah. fucking evil. We're going to fucking do this. I'm Mr. Evil. Oh, are you, are you, you, you thinking of changing mind? Hell no, nah, I'm not thinking of changing my mind. Just saying we got to pr- prepare shit. This is Bartek's portrayal of these people, by the way. Yes. Big yes. evil. Yes, yeah, Lala I, and big evil. I... See, for me, I don't think we needed any point of view of them because the whole film is like using this method to give us a fly-on-the-wall perspective of these two main characters. But then we're cutting with the same fly-on-the-wall perspective of other characters who we don't get any depth or nuance on, and nor do we need any depth or nuance of these characters to the point in which I don't think those those cartel members needed to be shown as characters the way that they were. You could still have that uh, party scene, but you shoot it completely from the cop's perspective of entering that party. Yeah, you can easily have like a real close-up of Big Evil when he's like staring into yeah. Because that was menacing, but it was obviously a different camera perspective going uh, on. But also, no offense, I think it's down to the writing and direction, but... I didn't think any of them were good actors. I didn't think any of them were memorable performances. What you just did there, as 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 
you know, over the top. That's what it was. And yeah. there was no, it was just not fun hanging around with them. And it's shown in the movie that lesser characters, like the, the rookie cop lady who gets beat the fuck out later in the movie, she was better performed and better, better written and better defined than those characters were. Yeah, they had more screen time than her. There was a point, yeah, during, I think it was one of the last times the, the cartel members were in the car, like having a scene of theirs where one of them calls Big Evil Big E. And I just like thought about them like, oh yeah, yeah, the Big E stands for Big Evil because they mentioned it in the party scene. And it was like, he kind of mattered more in that scene where he wasn't saying much and was just like being threatening by staring at the guy. These scenes... Again, this feels like a repeat of a scene I've already seen. So that's my major faults with the movie overall. I I think that it also does suffer from, like I said, the Hollywood isms of, you know how it's going to end. They're either both going to die, or one of them's going to die, and the other, you know, will be sad, and it'll be like, but we're co- this is a part of being a cop, and it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Not to bring it up again, but falling down subverted that <laughs> trope where he was constantly like, it's my last day. And they're like, don't die. And he's like, I won't. And then he doesn't. <laughs> and it was great. And he solved it. And he won. And he was like, fuck you, Captain Yardley. Fuck you very much. Um, I think that was a good movie. I think it was. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I know it's, you know, brave and everything. <laughs> I'm pretty good. But, and my impression of cartel members is great. But, you know. <laughs> Hashtag brave Bartek. Or as we call him, BB. So, yeah. BB, mm-hmm. my BB. Yes, B- BR. <laughs> We're in Death Stranding now. You're my BB. So, um, let's talk about those actors. Jake Gyllenhaal. We said he's great all the time. Mm-hmm. What's something, like, what's one of those roles or characters or movies you remember first encountering Jake Gyllenhaal where he left an impression on you, something you, you know, remember him fondly mm. for, or something that he was in and you're like, that guy. Because he's just, for me, he's always just been there. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I, Off the top of my head, I remember Prince of Persia's Sands of Times. Mm. Um, but I do feel like there would have been something before that. Brokeback I, Mountain? I haven't seen Brokeback Mountain, but I like Jake, so I'm willing to check it out at some point. Um, yeah, and I, I remember after I saw Prince of Persia of the Sands of Time, I would start seeing him in more things. Like, I think not long after that, I watched Donnie Darko. That's what I was going to say. Mine, mine's Donnie Darko. That's yeah. where I first saw him, and I was like, oh, this guy. And then, kind of after that, you know, other than Bubble Boy, which I loved Bubble Boy so much when we did that on the <laughs> oh, show. Oh, can we, can we please mention the fact that the guy in this movie <laughs> is Bubble Boy? <laughs> this fucking guy. Did you, did you ever get like sidetracked when you watched him in this doing comedy moments and you're like I remember when he did comedy <laughs> in Bubble Boy. No, but it's just been ever since I've ever since we did Bubble Boy on the podcast I was like man, I have to show my mum Bubble Boy at some point. I think she'd really love that movie. <laughs> she would. She would. Um and that was actually speaking of my mum, I would see films in the cinema with her with him in it that were like well, Nightcrawler's a big one that people know, but the little low ones that not as many people talk about, like Southpaw, I think he was also in Everest, yeah. things like that. And just seeing him do these really intense performances very mm-hmm. sincerely and just, you know, it just captures your attention. He is a dynamic performer, but he is best when he plays weirdos. I think that's... Mm. You would really like Prisoners. It's a Hugh Jackman movie. Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. And Jake Gyllenhaal's like the cop in the movie, but he's like a weirdo. Mm. <laughs> he's got those bug eyes. Yeah. And um, 
I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Donnie Darko is definitely the one for me that set him in my mind. And then Brokeback Mountain after that. And ever since then, he's just been one of those guys that, if he's in a movie, you know it's going to be decent. He's consistently enthralled me, so... Yeah. I might he might be, even be my favorite Hollywood actor even though I haven't seen anything with him, but yeah. He's usually very good and even he's dynamic enough to be able to do comedy stuff and tell the jokes like in this movie. He reminds me of uh, a more polished version of Toby Maguire. Mm-hmm. You know? They both kind of dorky guys. <laughs> like Jake Gyllenhaal's intense, but like when I watched him in this movie I'm like, "Oh, he's a bit of a dork." Even though, like, he's a bald cop guy who, like, could beat my ass and, like, kill me. We've, we've seen him dance, though. I've seen him dance. But, like, yeah, I... I And also, he's Bubble Boy, so I'll he's never forget his Bubble Boy. He <laughs> uh, will always be Bubble Boy. But I loved him in this. I thought that when I would watch it again, that he would be the one that would enthrall me more. Mm. Because I'm a bigger fan of him. But Michael Pena, man. Every moment he was on screen, I was 100% locked into my seat. I found him funny. I found him intimidating. I found him charming as hell. I wanted to spend time with him. He had a lot of really intriguing moments. Like, whenever one of the aforementioned fucked up things would happen and they would both react, his one would just be this kind of, like, colder, deader one of, like, you know, what's going on in his head? What What is he thinking about in this moment? Because, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's off screen, like, going, fuck, fuck, like, Or he will, like, physically grab someone and yell at them about it, like, with the kids. Mm. That one where they were, like, taped up. Yeah, yeah, whereas whereas Miguel, uh, Michael Pena, is just, like, in a monologue and we can't hear what he's saying. Yeah, he's processing. He's far more internal, even though he's an extroverted, loud guy. I really loved that scene in which he was talking about how he told his grandmother... It was his grandmother that he wanted to marry. Yeah. And that piece of advice, like, really think about it. And it he played it so well of that mixture of the absolute sincerity of that belief and that statement that came along with that. Like, genuinely think about it, but also the mixture of that dude bro friend who's like, oh, dude, <laughs> yes. really think about it. She could ruin your life. We haven't said this yet, listening people, but this film's very dude bro. <laughs> It's very, dude, it's very masculine. And even the women are very masculine. That's why Anna Kendrick's so fucking weird in this movie. Because <laughs> she just... That was a kick in the head. I forgot that Anna Kendrick was in this. Because here's mm. the thing about it. Anna Kendrick is one of those funny ladies. But she's, like, randomly in some weird movies in her career. So, for instance, she has a tweet about this where she herself has forgotten that she was in the Twilight movies. Like, when they come on, I'm like, oh, that's right, that's right. Because even for her, it's weird that she's in those fucking movies. Was she a vampire? No, she was her bitchy friend from high school. Okay. Which, once I tell you that, you can totally imagine her playing that role, can't you? You can fill that in. Mm. Like, she looks like the the preppy girl at the high school who would be judging your fashion. She looks like she could do it, yeah. But she's her friend. Um, and I think she's, like, in the Twilight movies, I think she's the one that has some, like, supremely funny jokes about Edward being a weird-looking dude. <laughs> but um, that's for another episode. Yeah, but next I, week. Michael Pena, like, I, I was captivated by him. He was so charming. And that's not what a... No offense to him, but I don't associate him with that phrase. Like, when we watch Collateral Beauty or when I've seen him in other things... I don't think of him as a charming screen presence. I think of him as like an aggravating one or like a 
a pity, like someone I feel pity upon rather than actual I empathy remem- for. I remember when I watched Ant-Man with my friends. I know you mm. love that film. but Everyone's <laughs> favourite film, Ant-Man. The film that I would describe as sleep-inducing to look at. Like, we spend... I know, sorry, about to, I've got to cut in. That's fine. We spend so much fucking time at Hank Pym's fucking, fucking brown mansion where there's nothing fucking interesting to look at. And all I think of that movie is just like wood panelling. That's all I fucking think of. I even forgot that Michael Peña was in that. Thanks for reminding See, me. the thing that I remember is, like, Michael Peña and a bunch of other guys are the main guy's friends, and they're, like, the comedy relief of the film, and I I hated them in that film. <laughs> my, my friends found them funny, I did not find them funny, and I think- I wasn't thinking of it at the time when I was watching it, but maybe me remembering how funny he is in this film probably lent itself to that feeling. Yeah, I- I felt really bad for him. You know, he died in this movie, and- I felt the loss of it this time around because, again, I was walking in being like, I'm all for Jake, 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 Jake. But the film grabbed me by the shoulders with his performance and looked me dead in the eyes and was basically saying, but Michael Peña is kind of the heart of this movie. Yeah, we're going to end the film literally with him giving another funny little story. Yeah, that was fun. I really, yeah, that really worked well for the film. Yeah, it just reminded you of... Who these guys are. Who these guys are. And like you said, if the whole film could have been more like that the whole way through instead of ending like that. So it kind of still wants you to finish the film on a good note. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, I'm singing his praises a lot, but uh, your opinions, anything else you want to say about Michael Peña in this? I mean, was he the one that you enjoyed the most out of the two? Or or does your love for Jake overwhelm it? I think it's similar to you. I Obviously, I remember that Jake Gyllenhaal's in this, and I've liked him in so many things that, you know, I'm going to see another Jake Gyllenhaal movie, and it's a buddy film where he's going to work alongside Michael Peña. Yeah, it'll be great. And then Michael Peña has all these really sincere things, like... When he brought up the thing of, like, you're going to marry a Mexican girl, I was Mm. like, I remember this whole conversation. This is actually one of the, you know, sort of mini monologues that I remember the most about this film from previous viewings, and it's a Michael Peña scene. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, you know, the scene where he, uh, I loved his wife, too, uh, like, he's our wedding wedding speech he gave, and, like, you're marrying a cop, and all these things, and he's like, I'm going to cry, but shut up! Yeah, he (laughs) he really, he really... Uh, nailed that whole like you know brothers in blue kind of thing with that speech like all of these cops here they're your family now and even Anna Kendrick was looking like whoa yeah she was kind of dumbfounded (laughs) and I loved how his character was the more reckless out of the two like when they were on on beat on the duty, like him fighting the guy, mm. like taking off his shit. It's like, all right, yeah. let's fucking and, fight. And of course, the fire scene. And the fire scene. But at the same time, the movie rewards that behavior from him. Um, but in their real life stuff, I think, like, although he's juvenile and a bit silly, he's the more mature one because he has had those life experiences that Jake Gyllenhaal is only just starting upon. I also love that conversation that they had where Jake Gyllenhaal kind of snaps at him a bit, and he's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't find my soulmate when I was 18 years old, and mm. she didn't even hand it to me. And like the whole thing about Michael Penn, you're like, you white people care so much about soulmates. Like, fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> like, that stuff was, was, it was captivating. Like, honestly, I would have loved if this movie was just a hangout movie where we just hung out with some characters, watched them do their day-to-day stuff, and then it ended, honestly. I would have I would have been happy if End of Watch was literally them ending Watch. Like, that's it. But mm. I know it happened. <laughs> 
had to have the one of them dies and oh the drama of it mm. all but then i also remember the, the, when michael penyuk died the last thing he heard was rest in piss from the cartel and i went oh okay yeah <laughs> you know like that's the kind of thing i think about when i'm like oh okay yeah, she like gave him like two little pot shots at the end i was like oh that's i, I fell in love with that man don't do that don't don't do that Lee. don't do that lala <laughs> that's her name <laughs> thank you thank you um did you have a particular favorite scene um yeah the the, the one with the when he was talking about you know i took a girl to prom was married a week later that was a really good one mm-hmm. um in terms of all of the scenes where, like, the really fucked up things happen, like, they find, you know, weird things in people's homes, um, mm. it kind of reminded me a little bit of Twin Peaks The Return, because that yeah, had yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Where there's, like, fucked up shit it, happening. It's like, oh, these are the characters that you remember and have good times with, but the world has changed. There's all these, like, fucked up things you almost can't explain, which earlier on when you were talking about how if we got less of the cartel throughout the scene, I feel like that notion would have been a lot stronger because it would be like this, whoa, what is, what is this? What is happening? Just sickness of the world is just ever-present. I mm. loved, uh, I I found the scene where they went into the the house with where they were just like, my job is that uh, we're going to take the easy one today and just look at this, uh, find this old woman with welfare checks and it leads to the gruesome, yeah, yeah. grisly cartel scene, you know, like the, the heads and the dead body. The and, dead body pile. Uh, that was a lot of a lot. And I loved how fluid the camera moves there were when the camera's like bolted onto the back of the gun when we're seeing it from... Remind me of Doom, the film Doom, when we had the first person (laughs) shooter scene. There was, in the climax, there was one moment where it literally was a first person shooter. It was like after they left that one apartment room, they got shot up. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it reminded me of Doom with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Would this film have been better with Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart? What do you think? He, they, they could have. One of them could have been the partners of uh, Van Houser. There, uh, no, you get Sam Jackson and Dwayne Johnson to play their characters from the other guys, where they're <laughs> like the superhero cops. Yeah, that's what you get them to do. I look. What do you think about how the film portrays and frames the police as an entity? Because obviously that's something to discuss in the modern day context yeah. as well. Of there was obviously lot we've always let's not pretend in in these societies in America in particular. There's been a lot of hostilities between people of color and the police and just people and the police. And it's kind of funny yep. now to look <laughs> back at this movie that's almost ten years old and be like, "Ooh, this film really loves the cops." Huh? Yeah, yeah. Criticism of the police is on an all time high in our modern day. Yeah. Um. Again, early on, mm-hmm. when you had that whole speech about how, like, I've got brothers, you know, we'll stop you no matter what, and, you know, them kind of taking their job a little bit like a joke, like, oh, yeah, let's do this, yeah, we'll beat up this guy, um, it, it did kind of, you know, make you pull on your, your sleeve a little bit, um, but it still did have a lot of these humanizing moments where we did get their perspective on, you know, what the job is, who the people they work with are, and how even they have, you know, negative opinions about the things they do. Like, Van Hauser straight up says, like, this job is gonna fuck you if you're in it long enough. Hmm, and, and it did for him. And it did for him, and his exit from the film, you know, wasn't very 
heroic. Wasn't very heroic. Wasn't very pleasant. Um, yeah, and and even their their um the guy that's in charge of them, mm. he's always trying to keep them in line. He's like, you know, you're doing these things. It's it's making yeah, my Frank job Grillo, more annoying. Yeah. yeah, it 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 did humanize them in that sense. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because there's it's that thing of it's very hard to. <laughs> To humanize the police, and especially in the climate where we're in, where we're criticizing them a lot. Yeah. But at the same time, this film, let's talk about this film, is a film about human characters, and you have to humanize your characters, even if they are a part of an institution that is, uh, or a force that is uh, inherently got a lot of issues going on, especially even back then. Like, the racial politics of this movie we could go on for years about. I mean, mm. there's a lot of stuff here happening and it's not as if the film shies away from it and i think that's the thing too is it makes us uncomfortable in the way that our main two characters as likable as they are they have wives they have kids on the way or kid and they're lovable but they will kill people yeah the duel- and that's their job but we also see in the movie there are those moments where they're like hey you could have killed that guy and he's like ah, i didn't feel like killing today yeah there was a real strong sense of this dynamic where you have all of these scenes where they're goofing off being dude bros you know joking around Mm. even when they're about to start working like oh well first customer of the day Mm. and then when they're actually interacting with people they're like these hard-ass cops who Mm. are you know just like yelling screaming you know holding people's heads to fences and like yelling questions and Mm. you know swearing without a care yeah It, it is striking yeah and it's a lot to to take in and i don't think it's the fault of the movie to necessarily have our main two characters be cops and they're humanized but i do think there is uh there there could have been more harsher critiques of police in this Mm. it's like all of the cops are pretty well humanized and it's a weird thing because again the movie works i think it's all fine but at the same time it is one of those things where you know we watch it and like you said, you pull on your collar a little bit at some moments and you go, oh, this wouldn't be made today type of thing. While, hell, even when we did In the Heat of the Night back in the day, mm. that film was way harsher on the police, but it was also humanizing the police at the same time. I think, you know what I'm saying there? Like, yeah. that film was very harsh about the issues of of the police force, but uh, but... Also, our characters were police officers, so it was humanizing them at the same time. We got to know them, we got to feel who they were, even if uh, Gillespie and that was a racist or had issues with black people or whatever. We still got to know him, we still got to feel for him, and we still got to understand why he became friends with Sidney Poitier at the end of the movie. But here, it's just like, it's kind of there, but kind of not, but also like, hey, you know, those cartel, though, oh boy. There was, there was one moment, it was in the party scene, where the, the female officer had, like, this implied history with the mm-hmm. cartel, like, before she was a cop. It was like, oh, okay. They, so they, they come from, you know, harsher contexts, but they become police officers and they change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the film needed Deputy Andy, though. Uh, from Twin Peaks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Lucy, too. Lucy, yes. Rece- we need a receptionist character. Yeah, and she's too busy trying to figure out how mobile phones work. She could have been the person on the that they report into, like, X-13. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I found the movie just very 
striking. I like the color palette of it. It had that real、mm. natural look to it.、Uh, had the right amount of desaturation to it, but also the right amount of color to emphasize the heat of this, like the actual heat in the world. And every house they went to was gross、mm. in the right way. And yeah, they mentioned that the place that they've been assigned to for the duration of this film is like a more crime-ridden part of the city where you'll get more. Of certain, you know, call-ins than other officers will get in their whole career. So it was kind of disturbing. It's like, oh, this house that an old lady lives in, oh, it's so messed up. Yeah, all、oh, the people who call them to be like, my kids are missing, but there's like, you're the one who put your kids in the cupboard. And- yeah, <laughs> yeah. On on the way here, um, when my cartel homies were giving me a lift, they um, no, they didn't say anything. I was thinking to myself. It it was a striking film, but I was surprisingly not thinking about it too much. Like normally, when I'm on the way here, it's like、mm. an hour trip almost. You know, I'm thinking about the film, analyzing, it, and it's like I think this film kind of, you know, presents itself on its sleeve. Like what you see is what you get. Yeah, yeah, I'll say the same too. Like it left an impression, but it's not going to be one I think about all that much because. It states its things pretty firmly, and by the end of the movie, when you got Jake Gyllenhaal there, Michael Pena's gone, and you're on the wife's crying face, and you have Anna Kendrick re- like with this look of realization of this is my life.、Mm. Got it. I got it.、Mm. Nailed I rem- it down. <laughs> I remember after the initial viewing with my dad and my stepmom, this left an impression on me because it was so bizarre, and I didn't really know how to respond to it. But my dad had a theory that the The main, the climax of the film happened because the. You remember there was the scene where like the higher tiered police people were like staking out a house yeah, and yeah. like you fucked up, our we're missing a DOI now. He had a theory that like they called the hit on our main guys, and、mm. I I just I didn't really know how to respond to that because it just didn't feel right. I think it's just that they kept finding things、yeah. that they shouldn't have because Jake wanted to be a detective.、Mm. It's all Jake's fault. That's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, it was the white man's fault. It、uh, was, yeah. His, his, and I feel like when you think about that, the the scene in that that、uh, what do you house? call? No, no, no. The the convenience store, right? Where right. they're like cooling themselves down. He's talking about how like you know we just received a medal of honor. Yeah. For, do you feel like a hero? Do you feel like a hero? No. And they just feel empty. And it's like, what do what do what do we strive for now? I do like the question he asks, though, which is, and it's a, it's a, it's a very hard question to actually answer, even in their situation. What does being a hero feel like? I don't know.、Mm. I've probably done things that people may say have been good or heroic or whatever, but I don't know. So it's not even like I see it necessarily as they feel empty about it. It's just like for them, it's just it was the thing to do. It was an obvious response to do. Yeah, they didn't even think about it. They just did it, and that's. What eventually leads to their downfall in a lot of ways is their im- impulsiveness of just being g- good people、mm. in a world that doesn't want that. That's why Van Houser was a Van Houser. Yeah, he was an interesting character because he was like far more chicken shit than they were, but he also got punished anyway. <laughs> we're going. I mean, he got a knife in the eye. That was a very weird scene of events. Because he was like supremely calm about it. Yeah, he was in shock. Clearly. Yes, yes, yes. But it was such a weird scene. Even his exit, where he's like putting in him in the ambulance, just saying, "You cut my vest." It's like, oh man, they cut my vest. They cut my fucking vest. Yeah, he was.、Uh, he was a lot. I um, 
I don't know what else to say. I thought it was it was it was decent. Um, I don't think it's the best Jake Gyllenhaal thing I've seen. I think it's just a decent Jake Gyllenhaal performance. Like he's not really blowing me out of the water with this one, but I do love the the dedication that he put in. You can clearly tell that they all put in. Except for Anna Kendrick, who did not want to be tased, apparently. That was a trivia fact. Yeah. She's, like, the only one who declined. And she's like, I don't know. I think other people should have declined. But <laughs> hey, what do I know? I'm like, okay, Anna. Uh, I don't know. I think her performance, you know, I think... It, could have used some tasing? The experience of having been tased could have improved that performance of... Being the wife. Of being the love interest that doesn't involve herself in the action. She's a scientist. Was she? Jake Gyllenhaal, she's like she's a science person. She studies. Yeah, yeah. That's um, right. it was it was something about oh, I can't remember what it was like fluids. Or oh yeah, something. fluid hydraulics or something. Something weird like that. She's yeah. science, and her parents are super <laughs> super old school. Yeah. So n- not the highest tier Jake Gyllenhaal performance, but in terms of the Michael Pena tier, I mean it's it's S tier. It's S tier. <laughs> I mean it's I mean it's below chips. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, chips. I, is I know a guy. Height. I know a guy on YouTube who bought a lot of Blu-ray copies of that film. I know a guy who knows a guy. Um, <laughs> I like the scene in. Um, it was when they were filling out the paperwork after getting that like huge haul and the hot fuzz scene. I call that. <laughs> um, and then their their main guy comes by and like, oh, you did a good job. And Michael Pena was like, oh, you want to suck his dick or something? Yeah, I'd suck his dick. And he's like, you got to tell me if you're joking. You have to tell me if you're joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. And then the absolute gay panic. <laughs> I loved, um, that's a character, like, the head cop guy. Mm. You always thought he was going to come in and, like, do something, but he was always, like, coming in and be like, you guys are great, I love you guys, then walk off. <laughs> Frank Grillo was the one grilling their ass the whole time, but yeah. then that guy who you build up at the very beginning, like, you want to be him. Yeah, I do. Yeah, like, it's, 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 you know how, you know, going back to Twin Peaks, The Return, like, you have the, the police station, and, like, you've got that one room with all the new characters who are you know, not as wholesome. He's from the wholesome half of the police station, <laughs> where where Andy and Lucy are. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. He's not Chet, <laughs> fucking Chet. Um, that was like the only negative one in the new police people was just Chet. The rest of them were fine. I know, but they had to hang around Chet, so I brought mean, them down. It bring it bring me down to hang around him. Uh, I think that's it. I think we got it. I think we can end this watch. But do we recommend it? Because I'm thinking like not really. Uh... You don't want to recommend this. No, I recommend it. I recommend it too. It's a fun time. Got some intense stuff in there, some really well shot sequences, even though I don't think it needed the framing device to tell the story fully. I think it kind of falls apart. I don't think we need to see the villains' points of view. I didn't care about them, nor did I care when they died. I don't give a shit. Just move on. So it's my recommendation for next episode. If it you want. It feels only like yesterday I recommended Soldier. These cycles have been going by really quickly. So uh, let's do Soldier again. No, um, yeah, fair enough. I, we're not doing Soldier. We're again. doing Cop Out again. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing Bubble Boy again. We're doing li- your mum as the guest. <laughs> we're going to finally go through all of Like Mike. All of it. No, so we are going to do a Korean film, Bartek. Whoa, my We're second going Korean to film. South Korea. What was your first? The Handmaiden. Well, that's right. Well, I've forgotten that you yeah. are uncultured swine. I know. So we are doing a movie from 2018, I want to say, or 2019. I remember that year. Um, burning. Burning. That's, that's an English word. That's the name of the movie. Well, Handmaiden was an English title too. So, um, 
Burning is the film of choice. So make sure to watch that, people. This film is an interesting one, Bartek. I will say for you, it is a... It's a thinking film. So have that in mind when you watch it. Ah, eyes open. Yeah, eyes open. Um, prepare for metaphors and thoughts. Don't expect it to be uh action film. <laughs> so So it's a chill hangout film like this. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh so that's the film of choice for me. We'll be talking about that next episode. Uh, until then, people, you can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter under Spit and Polish Presents. You'll find us pretty quickly and pretty easily. We're always posting stuff on there, having discussions, having debates, people telling us their thoughts. You can recommend movies to us on there, or you can recommend movies to us through our email, which is, Bartek? Spitandpolished at gmail.com. It's all in the description of the episode, as well as uh, the ability to click on whatever podcatcher you're listening on and uh, give us a rating and review if you, if you can. If you can, please. We like them. We like them. Mm. Bartek, his name, it sounds like how it's written down. Yeah, it's written Talk down. Talk about like... Bubble Boy. That's the best review we ever got. The one that complained I was... that we were covering the film Bubble Boy from 2000 and whatever starring Jake Hall, Not the film called The Boy and the Bubble from 1970 starring John Travolta. Yeah, it's Ryan. our fucking fault Ryan. that we did expressly have it written down and stated the year, the name of the movie, and the star. It's our fault that you didn't understand as a listener Ryan. that it was not the same movie. Ryan, you stole the cold ending I was going to do for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, oh, Jake, no, that was John Travolta, wasn't it? (laughs) Yep, that's right. That's my complaints out for this one. Till next time, people, bubble away. Like John Travolta. I mean, John Travolta and Michael Peña are both Scientologists, so connection? Well, yeah, they're very religious. It's nice.